Today, I feel very privileged and honored to have a good friend on the show. He's the husband of Sarah, daddy to Avery Kate, an author, minister, and marketer. And he is the newly appointed director of promotions for the Georgia District Youth Ministries. We work very closely together in district youth ministry. And that is my friend, Jeremy Gove. Jeremy is one of the best guys you'll ever meet in your life. He is brilliant. He is a hard worker. He has a great work ethic. He gets things done, and he does it with the anointing of the Holy Ghost on his life. And I feel very privileged and honored to have him on the program today as my guest on the Noteworthy Podcast. He's written two books. The first one, Let's Be Honest, Living a Life of Radical Biblical Integrity. We actually talk about that book today, and we are giving that book away, a signed copy of that book, over at Podcast Noteworthy on Instagram. So you can go enter that drawing to win it. He also has a second book, Greater Than Fear, Defeating a Cultural Pandemic. It's going to be an incredible show. We have a noteworthy conversation that you do not want to miss. Guys, I'm so honored and privileged that you would take time out of your schedule to click play on this episode today. I promise you're not going to regret it. It's going to be a great show. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's go. Brother Gove, how you doing, friend? Doing great, Brother Nathan. How are you, sir? Man, I am I am doing great. It is a, a beautiful day. I'm here at my church getting ready for class tonight, and I am just so thankful to have this time to speak with you today, bro. Well, well, thank you so much. Hey, I'm I am so excited to be here. And uh, and Nathan, you know, we we love you and your family. Oh, man. Um love serving with you on the GDYM. You are on it. You are killing it as <sighs> Youth secretary, I mean, just spot on in everything that's come up. You, you know, we've been doing a lot of work behind the scenes, getting ready for camp, and yeah. I mean, I've I've always had a high opinion of you and your work ethic and and your talent, skills, and abilities. But man, you have just been been killing it. So I oh, I do bro. I appreciate you, brother. I truly do. Man, Thank you. That means so much to me, bro. It it really does, and I can echo that right back at you, man. And I know I know we're going to be talking about this a little bit on the podcast today, but you are our newly uh, uh, appointed director of promotions. And uh, I just can't tell you how incredible it has been to get to work with you. We've worked together for years and, you know, we've been blessed to do that, but man, it is a whole new level of (laughs) working together and and (laughs) a lot of text messages, you know, when you serve as like a secretary or a DOP, uh, there's a lot of communication that goes forward. So thank you so much for doing that today. And appreciate you and and your and your beautiful family all that you guys do and man I'm excited to just kind of unpack uh, your life a little bit today and get to speak with you I, I do want to say right at the beginning here for the listeners if you are listening on Sunday morning when this episode drops 
there is a giveaway uh, happening for the next few hours that you can be a part of where we're giving away uh, Jeremy's book, which is an incredible book. We're going to be talking about it on the show today. But you can go follow Podcast Noteworthy on Instagram, and you have a chance to win a signed copy of this book for free. So I want to let the listeners know that right from the start. So with no further ado, Brother Jeremy, tell us a little bit about who you are and where you serve and what you do. Sure. Um, So I am the student pastor at Truth Tabernacle in Blackshire, Georgia. I serve under Pastor C.H. Jury. And um, I actually grew up in the New Jersey, Delaware district, and I worked with my parents in launching a whole missions work and uh, served as a Sunday school secretary there in that district before transplanting here in 2014. Um, I married my my wife, Sarah, the love of my life in 2014. And um, I've been working with Georgia District Youth Ministries ever since. You know, my, my wife and I joke that I had about a month off between when I moved from Delaware to Georgia. <laughs> Bro, we we didn't give you much time. We were like, this guy's talented. He's anointed. We're getting him involved. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess that's what happened because it was just like out of nowhere, bam. I mean, there I am at the, the GDYM and just uh, just astounded, uh, astounded by the quality. We'll, we'll get into that, I think, in a little bit when we really are talking about some of our, our roles and things. But just astounded. I remember the first feeling that I had walking into the room was I was just overwhelmed with the, the gravitas, the the feeling of excellence that was there in the room. And and, and I'm, I'm not just saying that. I don't just say that lightly. It right. was one of those things where when I walked in, I was like, wow, they these guys have really got it together. And uh I'm gonna have to do. I'm gonna have to do what I can to to support that. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's beautiful, bro. You have been an incredible blessing to the team from from day one. And you know, I always tell uh, committee members, and for those listening, if you've ever had the privilege of serving on your district youth committee, uh, you know it can be. Well, let's say it like this: if you're humble, like you should be, <laughs> it can right, be. Right kind of an intimidating room to walk into, you know, for that first planning session. Yeah. You're the new guy. I'm, I remember being the new guy. So it's weird for me to be youth secretary now. Cause I remember being that, that new guy, you know, that felt like I shouldn't be in the room. Fun fact, I'm 30 years old. I still feel like I shouldn't be in the room. <laughs> I'm like, what am I doing here? But man, you've just been such a blessing with, and you're so talented. You're you're a great preacher. You're a graphic designer. You're super coordinated. I was telling uh, Brother Joel Johns, our youth president, I'm like, bro, uh, I think Jeremy needs to be secretary and DOP because he is just killing the game. <laughs> so, uh, but let's talk a little bit about uh, what that means to be director of promotions. Some people may not know exactly what that means. What does that job look like and how has that journey been so far for you? Sure. Yeah. And so, um, I guess really to get a a full context of the director of promotions, I guess I kind of have to rewind a little bit and go back to when the position was first, first launched. So I have to admit, you know, coming into this new role, um, I've come in at a bit of a disadvantage, uh, because my predecessor set the bar so high. I mean, just, just amazing, you know, Filling the shoes of Brother DJ Hill, very good friend of mine, extremely talented, very dynamic, very driven. 
and and you know DJ is not not just my friend he's my he's my brother you know yeah. I, I I call him my my brother and I'm I'm so happy to see him called up you know to the national level um, but Amen. It's, it's, and he's it's doing an incredible job there I'm so oh, proud of DJ definitely definitely I mean he is just he is taking it up to another level and just it's amazing and so it's it's bittersweet you're, you're happy for him but at the same time you know I I do miss seeing him in the Georgia district I miss knowing that know. you know. He could come down to our place and 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 crash on our in our guest room if he needed to. Yeah, <laughs> you know, me too, bro. He's right, basically me too. right around the corner. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so working behind him, you know, working with him, we when he was director of promotions when we first launched that position, uh, there there really was no other candidate that came close. You know, DJ was was promotions. He was everything that we really had wanted for that role. And I know working behind the scenes with him a lot on different things, uh, we, we launched some really cool aspects of promotion. For example, the, uh, the leather patch hats that, that have become a staple now at our camps. Yes. You know, that was a, that was a Hill Gove innovation, you know, right, right. <laughs> getting yeah. our heads, bouncing our heads, you know, together our ideas off of one another. And, um, he did just an amazing job. And so he launched that position. He ran with it. And, and over time, you know, the DOP has kind of come become the DOT, the director of things. It, it can be a bit of a, a catch all. <laughs> the um, DOT. Yeah. Yeah. But the uh, but the catch all, you know, the, the focus of that all is promotions. So designing and distributing merch, uh, running the social media channels, heading up stage designs, uh, giving ministry directors the tools they need to be successful. Uh, building engagement, exciting excitement for events, um, and then also you know just just being there as support. You know that's that's kind of the core of the director of promotions position. And you know personally, you know in my role, it's like you said earlier, you're you're 30. I'm I'm 34. Um, I've been doing youth ministry in some form for almost 20 years, and uh, this is my sunset term. So you know this. After this term, I, I age out. So I'm one of the old guys now. <laughs> and uh, but knowing that, you know, my role has kind of shifted or my the way that I'm approaching, you know, my role for this term um, is I'm approaching it from the aspect of preparing the way for the next person. You know, in, in all of our discussion, a lot of it has been infrastructure and protocol and documentation. We begin to automate some processes. We've been simplifying some others. That's a lot of the discussions that. Um, you, Brother Joel, and I have been having kind of behind the scenes and um, getting all those things together. And, you know, I was just talking with Brother James Barler, our hyphen director, about this last night. Yeah. And telling him, you know, my, my goal is to be able to hand over the keys to a well-oiled machine. Um, you know, and, and DJ and all of our previous leadership is a huge part of that. They really set us up for success. And, and so I, I give them honor, you know, for what they've done. Amen. You know, Brother Patterson's legacy, and of course, Brother Joel has been there as secretary all this time, and now he's he is leading with excellence as our president. Yes, um, sir. You know, they have really you know set us up for success, and I and I've told each of them that you know thank you for setting us up for success because you could have just left us and said figure it out, but instead you created a transition plan and have have really set us up and given us the foundation we need to be successful, and and I want to pass that on to the next generation. Yeah. That is so awesome, bro. I love, I love your spirit, and and I love that you're, you're kingdom minded. You know, for somebody to come in on on a sunset term and and to do it like you've done it. You know, some people could could come into that and kind of lackadaisical approach it. You know, I'm 
I'm going to be aging out in the next couple of years. And, and that is not at all what is happening. You've jumped in, uh, working with excellence. And I, I was actually shout out to James Barler. I know you mentioned him. He's our hyphen director <laughs> doing an incredible job, which this is kind of a big, uh, GDYM push today. Cause we've got camps oh, coming yeah. up so much excitement, <laughs> but, uh, man, uh, James and I were talking about you the other day, just how we love how kingdom minded you are. And that is the way it should be. I was, uh, I was also, you know, really saddened to see DJ and Natalie move. It was bittersweet. It was like, I'm so happy for you. I'm so proud of you. And right. before he left, we went to Cracker Barrel and, because uh, for some reason, we always ate at Cracker Barrel with DJ. I don't know. <laughs> it's like every time we're at Cracker Barrel. And I, I hope he can still listen to this. He'll get a kick out of that. But we were talking and, and just talking about the future. And, and he did such an incredible job. I give him honor. But I, I love how you're taking it over, stepping into it, doing it with excellence. And we are blessed here in Georgia. You know, fun fact, which I, I know you probably realize this, but the listeners don't. Uh, when I first came onto the committee, I came onto the committee as the social media director. So there was no director of promotions position yet, but uh, the youth president at that time, brother Michael Patterson wanted to do this position as a ministry director to kind of set the way. So I always tease DJ, you know, I've paved the path for you, <laughs> you know, <laughs> with my, with my social media posts, you know, and of course he just came in and started killing it. And then I stepped into section five youth director, which now um, Zach Davies doing an incredible job with that. And Definitely. all that to say, we, we are just so blessed and you're doing an incredible job. So thankful to get to work with you. Now, I do want to kind of shift gears and I want to talk about, about you f- for a moment and, and about your ministry, the call on your life. You're an incredible preacher, very organized, very well thought out, but very anointed when you speak. And I'm excited about camps, getting to... To, to hear you preach one of the day sessions at camp this year and tell us, you know, for the students that might be listening that are going to camp, uh, when did this all start for you? When did you feel the call to ministry and was it a one-time experience with God or was it a series of events that led you to the call to ministry? You know, that's a, that's a great question. And, um, you know, what I've, I've found in my life, because that's one of those things that those critical elements that you find yourself kind of pondering, or I find myself pondering and kind of meditating upon um, thinking about the the things of God and the the word of God. And um, what I found is that when it comes to the things of God, it's typically a mix of both. You know, there are always highlights and critical moments that you can always point back to kind of those road signs along the way. Uh, But God is also, he, he's the grand weaver of purpose. Yeah. And so in between all of those highlights, he's weaving all things together to bring about his purpose in the background. And so there's this amazing dynamic that when we look at life, we tend to think of this was the one point, this was that one moment that everything changed. And while that's true, there is also this element that God has been working in the background the entire time to bring about that one element at just the right time and at just the right moment. Um, There's this really cool verse in Genesis where Joseph is addressing his brothers. And so it's after he's revealed himself to be second in command to Pharaoh. And it's that iconic phrase, you know, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. And 
while that in itself is a powerful phrase, um, you know, just in, in, in English, as we read it, 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 it sounds great. It's powerful. It's something we can preach, you know, the paint off the walls, you know, doing that. But when you really begin to dig into that phrase and see what it, what actual words are used, it's even more so because that word for meant it, it, it's in, in Hebrew. It literally means that what you weaved for evil, wow. God reweaved for good. My goodness. And so when we look at that, it, it's such a, a beautiful picture of God taking the, the different threads of our lives and weaving and reweaving and into something beautiful. And, and on the foreground, you know, if you've ever seen uh, something being woven on the foreground when it's being done, it looks like chaos, just random pieces going this way, that way, every which way, tangled knots and, and whatever else. But then when you flip the tapestry over, it no longer is chaos it now is perfect order wow. and it is something that is beautiful and something that we want and desire. And we would put a, a, a hefty price on because we see the value of it. And, and so that is kind of how I picture the way that God works in our lives as the, the grand weaver of purpose, you know, that there are those critical points, but he is kind of weaving the in-between as well. And, um, That's good. so to get back to the core of the question, um, as a child, you know, I, I would do things, you know, two, three, four years old. Some of my first memories are dragging chairs in the living room and setting them up in a row and then grabbing another chair and turning it backwards to be my pulpit, you know? So, you know, it's, it's always kind of, always kind of been there. You know, I, I competed in writing competitions in, in high school and, and, and tutored students in writing. I was a Bible quizzer back in the day. And so there was always this inclination I was always very sensitive to the presence of the Lord, um, lo- always loved to worship, loved to sing, loved church, loved my pastor. I grew up under Pastor Wayne R. Trout, who has um, passed on. He's now going on to receive his reward, and I, I loved him immensely, um, wow. even as a, as a kid. I mean, he was, he was the cat's meow as far as I was concerned when I was a kid. He was, he was where it was at. Yeah. And, um, but if I had to point back to one specific moment, you know, we talk about those critical points, those highlights, those road signs. Um, when I was about 14 or 15, we had a midwinter youth convention in the New Jersey, Delaware district, brother Scott Graham was preaching. And, um, and this is one of the reasons why I'm so passionate about getting young people to youth events, because I know the impact that they can make. You can exactly. change the entire trajectory of a life yes, sir. with one, one message. And so, uh, brother Scott Graham was there and he preached the message. I'll never forget. It was camped between consecrated and cool. Come on, man. And it was just, it was about the, one of the encampments that Israel had when they were out in the wilderness. And ironically, the wilderness is called the wilderness of sin. And it was talking about where they were camped and they were camped literally between two places. Wow. One means, um, means consecrated and the other literally means cool. And so he was talking about being in that place and making that decision. And, and I remember the, the event was in a hotel ballroom and, and there were these these fake like hotel trees, like you think of a hotel and the fake trees they always put up for, you know, uh, right. decor. And I remember just hearing that message and being so moved. And I was against one of the one of the side walls towards the front. And I just remember being almost pressed as close as I could to the wall, just being flat on my face and just crying and praying. And and I remember being overshadowed by those trees and just, you know, those fake trees were there. I was I was kind of almost hidden hidden behind them, just kind of lost in my own little place with God. And and that was that was one of those moments. That was probably the moment, if I could point back, where I knew 
that ministry was more than an idea. It was what I was meant to do. And at that moment, I was making that decision that I was I was shifting over to consecrated, that I was not going to camp in the middle. That's where I was going to be. And I was consecrating my life to God and ministry. I was going to go into ministry and I was going to do everything that God wanted me to do, that I wanted to be everything God had called and created me to be. And um, so I, I give on you know, to Bishop Graham for that message. It was if it impacted nobody else, which I know that it did. But if it impacted nobody else, it changed my life and it set the course for my life and pointed me in the right direction. Wow. Wow. Praise God, man. That is so, so beautiful. And I, I love it on this show to have the opportunity to ask men of God like yourself, where did it all begin? Because, you know, you and I, we, we work in student ministry and you see a lot of, a lot of young men, a lot of young ladies, and they feel a call on their life, but that call is, is new to them. And they don't always know, you know, what do I do with this call? What do I do now? You know, God imparts callings at camps. I, I believe that we'll see yes. it happen this year. And, and I want students listening to this to know that they can be empowered to, to move forward. And so thank you for sharing that with us. I know that's going to help somebody. You know, in youth ministry, which I know I'm just kind of throwing this in here, but I've been, uh, my brain has been in Second Kings this this week, you know, the story, chapter five, the story of Naaman and, mm. you know, Naaman's dipped in the Jordan and he's cleansed of leprosy. And I was reading this week, it was like, and I guess I had never noticed this in the scripture before, but Gehazi runs after Naaman for payment mm. because Elisha wouldn't take the payment. And Gehazi goes, takes the payment from Naaman and comes back. And Elisha says, you and your family are going to be cursed with leprosy because you took payment for that. And I was like, wow, what a, what a great scripture for youth ministry that it's not about the money. It's about the miracles, you know? And so, so much of what we do, so much of what you do and what all of us are doing for youth ministry is because we want to see lives change. We want to see miracles happen. Uh, it's definitely not about the money, not about the prestige. <laughs> we know that, uh, you know, uh, rule number seven. No, <laughs> but, but there's we, we know that. And so I'm thankful for people like yourself that have given yourself to the call of God. Now, what are some change, uh, some challenges, excuse me, that you have faced in ministry and how did you overcome them after you received that call? You started walking in that call. What are some challenges that hit you at first? Definitely. I mean, there's there's always going to be challenges in life. There's always going to be things that that come up. And that's that's always been one thing that I've been very quick to tell our young people, our students, is don't misinterpret the fact that you have opposition as meaning that you're outside of the will of God. You know, we, we have this idea in our mind that if we we follow the the will of God, yes, there are blessings in following the will of God, no question about it. But we have this mindset that says, hey, I'm I'm walking in the will of God and the, the flowers should be singing and the grass should be waving and angel babies should be falling down from the sky <laughs> because I've been obedient to the Lord. And, right. and, you know, there again, there are blessings for living for God. But, you know, there is always going to be opposition. There's going to always be obstacles that that we have to, to overcome. And, you know, I was thinking about this and, you know, I, I know that, that you had had mentioned to me that this would, would come up. And so I was trying to, trying to think about it and, and, and kind of 
really meditate and focus on it a little bit and, and see what was kind of my biggest challenge. And, and the biggest one, um, ironically, was for ministry was myself. Um, and naturally, and I know you'd, you'd never, ever believe this in a, in a million years, but naturally, I am an extreme, extreme, extreme introvert. Wow. Um, and so the thought of any kind of public speaking, you know, terrified me. The idea of someone reading my writing and then looking at me, knowing it was me, terrified me, you know. And so um, when I was a kid, when I was a lot younger, um, I would actually do things as, as awkward and weird as if I if I saw someone that I knew in Walmart, I would go the other direction and circle around the aisle and because I wanted to avoid um, having an interaction with them. And that was people I liked. That wasn't people I didn't like. That was people I liked because I had such an, an aversion to to that extreme, extreme introversion. And um, that's just how you know socially backward I was, if you want to put it that way. But yeah, and, and, and don't get me wrong. Introverts have extreme strengths. You know, we're thinkers, we're ponderers. We tend to be more empathetic. We um, we tend to care more about people's feelings. We we ch- tend to choose our, our words a little more wisely. We're not just you know you know brash bashing out there and just doing doing whatever. There there's some thoughts. There's some intent going on under the surface. And so that was a major thing, especially considering that I hate to use the word business, but the church is in the people's business. The church is in the people business. Wow, yeah. The kingdom of God is about people. Yes, and so when you realize that, there's a problem. <laughs> because <laughs> if you don't want to interact, but at the same time you have to interact, there, there has something has to give, something has to change. And so That's right. God has really helped me. That is a testimony that is 100% God. And so now, you know, I'm, I'm in sales talking with people Praise all God. the time. That's my secular job. You know, I'm, I'm preaching frequently, you know, there's, I'm used to talking with people and because of that experience, I, I like to think that I'm a little bit more compassionate towards those that maybe do feel a little left out or aren't sure how to carry a conversation or want to say, cause I know the feeling they want to say so much, but they don't know how to get it out. Right. And so that would be, you know, my major challenge in ministry was that was finding the confidence to find my voice and the confidence to rely on God and say, okay, I don't know what I'm doing. If I step out there, are you going to be there with me? Right. And that's what happens. You know, you, we were talking earlier about the, the anointing I've, I've always, and I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm not out there in left field or anything of that nature, but I know when I'm getting ready to preach and I'm sure you've experienced this as well. I, I can feel it. Like I yeah. feel the anointing. It, it sits like a, a mantle yeah. on my shoulders when I'm yeah. about to preach. Thank you, Jesus. And, and it's just saying, God, I know you're with me mm. and I know that you can do this. I'm just a vessel. I'm going to open my mouth and you speak Yeah, and you do what you want to do. And so that's, a, that's a big part of it is getting myself to step out of the way. That was a major, major challenge. And, and that can go to both extremes that can go to extreme introversion that can also go to extreme extroversion, you know, causing your pride to step out of the way. You know, it's not just causing, you know, this um, this lower confidence to step out of the way, but it can go to the other extreme as well. And so I think that that's a major thing that every single person that goes into ministry is going to have to struggle in some way, shape or form is finding that place of saying, OK, God, I'm just the vessel. I need to step out of the way. And I need to make room for you to do what you need to do and to unleash your glory 
in this instance. Wow, man, so good, so good. And I love, I love how you drew attention to the fact that you know sometimes we have a, a misperception of of ministry and the calling. And you hit on this, and, and I'm glad that you did. Where you know I'm called, so there's going to be baby angels that fall from the sky, and 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 you know there's going to be red carpets that fall out in front of me. And you know it's not to be discouraging here, but just to help somebody, it really is the exact opposite. When you accept the call to ministry, there's going to be opposition instantaneously. Yes. Uh, there's going to be all kinds of things. You see this all the time. Uh, students accept the call on their life. They go home and, and it's like everything breaks loose in their life and they feel like they're under attack because the, the devil is so mad that they have accepted a call on their life. You know, when in Scripture, when the angel goes to Mary, have you ever noticed he keeps telling her, thou hast found favor with God? And I was reading this the other day, mm-hmm. and the angel tells her this like four times. Like, it's it's so repetitious, which you know in Scripture, anytime something is repetitive, you want to you wanna pay attention to that. And I'm thinking to myself, wow, I've, I've never thought about this. But here he's telling Mary that she's going to have a baby and his name will be called Jesus. And she's about to, which, you know, your wife, you and your wife have had, had a baby. So you know that she's about to enter a very uncomfortable season in her, in her life, <laughs> right? She's about to go through pregnancy. And it's like the angel was telling her, that don't mistake discomfort for disapproval because yes. because you're going to be uncomfortable there there's going to be things that that are going to be difficult about this but i want to remind you that you have favor because just because in your discomfort don't think that god has disqualified you or that he is not approved of you because of what you're going through. And I just want to thank you for that and encourage somebody that's listening that when you accept the call, there's going to be discomfort, but don't mistake that for disapproval because God is for you. Press into the calling. Now you have written a tremendous book. You've actually written two books, but, um, and, and you can please feel free to talk about both books, but I want to hit on, Let's be honest, living a life of radical biblical integrity. This is a fantastic book. I've read it twice. I, I love it. I was reading again the other day in preparation for this this interview. And for the listeners, you have an opportunity to win a signed copy of this book. Um, if you go follow Podcast Noteworthy on Instagram, tag three people. Every chapter is is fantastic, but chapter five really impacted me. Would you tell us the story? And, and I know it's kind of, you know, this is out of your book, so I don't know how much you want to share or spoil, <laughs> but would you tell us the story of things only seagulls will see? You told a story about the Statue of Liberty that to me was so inspiring and I feel like is very descriptive of your ministry and your life. Uh, would you tell us about that? Sure. Uh, sure thing. So chapter five opens with, you know, one of my personal favorite uh, opening stories. So my my philosophy when I write is the same philosophy as when I preach. Um, my approach is to start with a striking example 
that will kind of set the pace and draw my readers in or my listeners in um, and kind of set the stage for everything to where people can settle in. Because, you know, let's let's face it, when a message is first starting, those first between 10 and 30 seconds are critical. You know, you want to set the pace. You don't want people to zone out. You want to get people engaged. And then once they're engaged, then you can move forward and begin to unpack everything. So that's that's my personal philosophy when I when I am preaching. I try to start off my messages strong with a interesting story or striking example from either history or for from uh, common culture. And so chapter five is is one of these examples that it's a story that once you come across it, it just blows your mind and you just can't you can't help but pass it along. And so the uh, the gist of it is a it's a quote of a quote about a magazine cover that Oscar Hammerstein uh, had seen uh, a year prior to a book that he was writing. And so it's actually not even in the the book. It's in his introduction. So um, in the introduction to his book, he's referencing a magazine article that he saw earlier that was uh, that the cover was photographed by someone else. It's kind of a story of a story of a story. But the gist of it is this, and actually I'm, I can just read you the excerpt of what he wrote because I, I, I don't think that I could do it justice yeah, trying to, yeah. to walk him through it. And so this is what he wrote. This is his quote. Um, he said, I saw a picture of the Statue of Liberty taken from a helicopter, and it showed the top of the statue's head. I was amazed at the detail there. The sculptor had done a painstaking job of sculpting her hair, and yet he must have been pretty sure that the only eyes that would ever see this detail would be the uncritical eyes of seagulls. And that was a aspect that just, it impacted me so deeply when I first heard that story, when I first read that, that phrase, because I began to think about it and I, I began to see that it really is true because the Statue of Liberty was built in 1886. That was, you know, several years before uh, the world's first successful airplane. And so most likely this sculptor believed that man probably would never fly. You know, airplanes and helicopters and things that we take for granted were not a reality in his mindset. And so he could have very well, when he was doing this job, he could have said, I don't have to worry about sculpting the top of her head, the the hairs of her head um, behind the crown. I I could have left those blank because no one's going to see them anyway. But yet he puts his full effort into it and he puts in every detail. And in fact, he puts as much effort into the crown of her head that no one would ever see as far as he knew. Goodness. As he did every other part, you know, the flowing robe and the uh, and the tablets in her hand and the torch and all the the critical things that everybody thinks of when they think of the Statue of Liberty. He put as much work into the top of her head that no one else would ever see. And that to me is a beautiful beautiful rendition of what it means to have integrity. Yeah. Because integrity says, I will give it my full effort. I will give it my full work. I will give, I will do everything correctly. I will do it right. I will do it to the best of my ability, no matter who sees. Right. Wow. If it is only seagulls or it is only God himself who sees what I do, that is enough. I must give my full effort. I must do everything that I can do to the best of my ability. And that to me is just a a perfect encapsulation 
So good. Of integrity. So good. It really impacted me when I was reading it. And uh, another thing that drew my attention to that was that little did he know that helicopters would be invented, that airplanes would be invented, you know, and that just speaks to integrity that you may never even know in your lifetime, but generations behind you will be able to look back and see integrity if we'll do what God has called us to do, even even when nobody's watching. And, you know, any any great man of God, woman of God, they always have a, a prayer life that nobody's there, nobody's watching. You know, they're always connecting with God when nobody's there. They have a a private relationship with God so that they can be used publicly for God. So I love this. Now, what inspired you to, to write this book, you know, about about honesty. Let's be honest. Where did this start and why did you decide? This is just one chapter. I believe there's there's six or seven chapters. I'm trying to remember. I know you probably know off the top of your head, but every chapter is so good. Where did that start? Um, yeah, so it, um, it ironically had begun as a, a Wednesday night Bible study. And um, originally it was a four-week series. And uh, the book itself has, has eight chapters. But five of them are dedicated to this acronym um, that I had had created as I as I saw the kind of the as I began to work on the concept, I kind of saw this this um, idea rise to the surface. And that typically is how it is whenever you're crafting a message, or at least that's what I found, is that when you start to dig into what God has given you, um, there are things that just begin to kind of rise to the surface and you begin to see patterns and you begin to see deeper truths that maybe you didn't realize we're going to come to the surface when you first started digging in. And um, so this acronym, you know, BASIC, is is basically the five aspects of what it means to, five aspects of truth in reality, five aspects of what it means to have this radical um, biblical integrity, you know, as it's defined in Scripture. And so uh, B is for brokenness, A is for accuracy, S is for steadfastness, I is for integrity, and C is for credibility. And when you look at those three, those five aspects, they kind of help define what it means to live a life of biblical truth. And they are what it means to live an overcoming life, you know, a, a life that, that the Lord is pleased with. When he looks at our lives, he is pleased because we are echoing his principles, his precepts, his truth. And um, there's always little nuances that you do when you write. For example, the first, uh, the first letter of each of those, those acronym chapters begin with the, the letter of that acronym. So uh, the, the chapter that talks about brokenness starts with the letter B. Oh, that's cool. Uh, yeah. yeah. And so, you know, accuracy starts with A and steadfastness starts with S and integrity starts with I and credibility starts with C. And so, you know, those are those little nuances that you can kind of do. You have the ability to do those cool little Easter eggs in your writing um, as you're, you're going through. But it started as a, a Wednesday night Bible study. And the central premise really revolves around the the Hebrew word for truth. There is no ancient Hebrew word for honest. Um, the word honest really doesn't exist in, in the ancient Hebrew concept. Instead, the word that is used that would be translated as honest or honesty is the word for truth. And the Hebrew word for truth is a met. It's made up of three letters, Aleph, Mem, and Tav. Aleph, Mem, and Tav are the first, middle, 
and last letters of the Hebrew alphabet, implying that in order for something to be true, it must be true from the beginning to the middle to the end. If it is true at the beginning and the end, but it isn't true in the middle, then it isn't true. And all the other permutations that you can take from that. But the idea is that in order for truth to be truth, it must be true from beginning to middle to end. And so then as I begin to dig through the aspects of truth, the different aspects of what it means for something to be true, that's really where everything just kind of began to snowball and to grow and and it started off as a Wednesday night Bible study, and the word got out, and I, I had been asked to um, to teach it at several other locations. And then I turned it from a adult curriculum into a uh, from adult Bible study into a youth curriculum that was on the community website uh, for a while, and and then expanded further from there. And then I brought it back for a uh, you know we went back and forth with with different uh, permutations of that. It started off as a Wednesday night Bible study, just emphasizing the fact that truth is truth, and God wants us to be people of truth. Yes. And if we're going to be people of truth, that doesn't just mean that we have the truth, that we have truth in doctrine, but that we are true in our dynamic as well. We are true in our doing. Right. We are true in the things that we do and how we live, that if we are going to be people of truth, that goes beyond just having true doctrine it also permeates into we must be people of honesty and integrity, people where truth permeates and saturates every aspect of our existence. So good. So good, Jeremy. Now, we we may have some listeners that are aspiring authors. Who knows? Uh, there's listeners in a lot of countries, a lot of listeners. Maybe they're thinking about writing a book. Would you mind sharing the book writing process with us? What did that look like for you? Sure. Yeah, most definitely. So um, what I recommend is, you know, number one, kind of start off with a a general outline. Um, I am going to tell you the outline is going to change. It's going to grow. It's going to evolve. Things are going to happen. You're going to think that this is going to be the centerpiece of your book. And then by the end, it's gone. So that's kind of how it works. Build your outline. And then I would say just write. Just write. And I know that doesn't sound very helpful, but it really is. It's the best thing you can do. Just write. Don't worry about fine-tuning or editing one chapter at a time, you know, because if you wait for chapter one to be perfect before you move on to chapter two, you're never going to get to chapter two. Um, so you just you write. You use that outline and you write and you you just put as much as you can out there and you just write and write and write. Because what makes a great book a great book isn't the writing, it's the editing. You know, it's it's subtraction. It's addition by subtraction. Mm. You know, what makes what sets a good book aside from a great book is having a good editor and knowing what to pull out and knowing what to move around. And, okay, we don't need to emphasize this as much because we've said it three times up here. So let's let's cut this out. And then we need to move this idea over here. It really needs to be a chapter all into itself because it's such a big concept. And and so, you know, the a lot of things are going to are going to either die or be fine-tuned on the editing floor. So don't stress yourself out about getting the book perfect when you're going through it. Okay. Write it all out. It's a it's a living document. It's yeah. going to be moving around, you're going to be taking out things, you're going to be adding in things. And I'm going to tell you right now, the end result is going to be nothing like what you thought the beginning, what you thought at the beginning. Wow. But if you have a good editor, it's going to be better. Man, yeah, that's uh, encouraging. It's um, encouraging. 
Uh, so for you, did did you have to hire an editor or what was that process like for you? <laughs> well, normally, <laughs> normally you would have to, to hire an editor. Um, Which I, I'm a little sneaky. I, I know the answer to yeah, that, yeah. but I, I thought that it was... was... <laughs> That question was asked very tongue-in-cheek. Yes, for, forgive me. <laughs> and so I, I have the, the blessing of being married to my editor. So uh, she great. has done that professionally for years. Um, she was a news editor for, uh, for several, several years. She's actually just transitioned professionally. Um, she has just accepted a position as the, the Pierce County Chamber of Commerce director. And she started Congratulations, her guys. Job. That's so amazing. Thank you. She she started her new job yesterday, so she's she's getting everything going with that. But she has years of experience with editing, and um, and honestly, it's it's been good for our marriage. I mean, she she enjoys making my manuscripts bleed red with ink. <laughs> so <laughs> she's like, "This so, is all wrong." No, <laughs> you're yeah, like, "I this, thought this, this was pretty good." Actually, <laughs> exactly. That's what I do. Is I and I probably have conversations with my editor that you wouldn't normally have. Like I can say, "Are you sure about this?" <laughs> right, right, right. I put a lot of blood, sweat, and tears into that chat in that paragraph. Exactly. Are you sure we should fix that? <laughs> so, you know, you go back and forth a little bit, and and again, it's you know, it is a process. You know, this. I had the material going in because I had or I had a, a bulk of the material going in because I had this series I was basing it off of. And it still took me about a year, a good solid year for me to rework everything and get it edited. And from the research I've done, that's a very fast timeline for a book. So don't be discouraged if it takes time. Mm-hmm. It, it's going to take time. It's going to take effort. There's, there are going to be times when you were so sick of reading through the manuscript. I had to read, I read through, let's be honest, probably 15 times through the editing process, wow. going line by line and, and drawing through things and arrows and making notes. And so, you know, don't be discouraged if the 14th time through you said, man, I'm sick of this manuscript. <laughs> I'm yeah. sick of reading myself, right. but it's, it's you're just on the cusp of greatness. You're on the cusp of hitting that point where the book is to be published. And, um, you know, that that's part of the process, but yeah, don't that, that would be the one key piece of information I would give is write, just write and write and write. The editing floor is where everything is going to kind of come into balance, but you've got to have material out there to be edited. Yeah. And so if you can get the material out there, that that gets you one step closer. That makes sense. I love it, bro. We've had we've had some authors on the show before. Um, Brother L.J. Harry's been on the show. Brother O.C. Marler, my father, and so you're. But but this is the first time we've got to kind of break it down. So I know that's that's very encouraging to the listeners uh, about what that process looks like. Thank you for sharing that with us because I feel like that's going to help somebody. Help me today. So mm-hmm. uh, now. Let's uh speaking of of your life and and your editor and <laughs> all that <laughs> I love seeing you as a dad to Avery Kate and uh, man you have such a beautiful family what is dad life like and how has that changed your life just give us just a little glimpse into that Oh man it is it is amazing I I don't know what I did before Avery Kate came into our life I mean I I thought we had a pretty good life and had things you know rocking along pretty well. And then she came on the scene and everything changed. I mean, it's just a, wow. it is a completely different dynamic and it's a good dynamic. I've, 
I love it. I love every moment of it. Nothing Whether like she's it. laughing or she's crying, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's so that's so beautiful, and I love I love seeing you as as a dad, and uh, you know you're you're a girl dad, and I'm a boy dad, so you know, <laughs> which from from what I hear is drastically different. You know, my friend James Barler has a little girl, Everly, and he's always teasing me like, you've got two boys and I've got a girl. Um, but what's it like, you know, having a girl? Is it true what they say that she's got you wrapped around her finger? Oh, definitely. Definitely. <laughs> being a girl dad is is something something special. Now, I've never had the experience of being a boy dad. Um, we'll see what the future brings. I don't know. But well, I've got I, two I, if you want to borrow one. Just <laughs> Kind of do a test run, right? <laughs> Just let me know, bro. Uh, Ezra is well. Judah's three, and Ezra's one. So every every day is is an adventure for sure. <laughs> yeah, new experiences on both levels. I mean, that's that's phenomenal. I I love it. Man. I love. It. And it's you know <laughs> being a dad. Uh, it's you know it's interesting, and this goes for for moms and dads. It's like it you have no choice but to become more like Christ. And I know, I know it sounds like I'm just over-spiritualizing it, but man, I can't tell you how many lessons I've learned about Jesus f- through my kids, from, from my kids. Do you ever have moments like that where you're like, wow, I see, I see Jesus in this? Definitely. Definitely. I mean, just the, you know, right now she's at the, the point she's She's eight months. She's going. She's about to transition up to nine months old. Wow! And so she is at that point where she's she's wide eyed and she's discovering new things every day. Um, she's just now figured out how she can crawl. She doesn't quite crawl in the traditional way. She kind of does an army crawl where she pulls herself with her with her elbows <laughs> wherever she wants to go. That's great. But just the the wide eyed wonder of everything, and it just that resonates with me so much because I'll, I'll, of course the, the one thing that I, I can't help but think about is Jesus saying we we come into the kingdom having faith like a child and I can't I know that that's talking about faith and trust and things but I know that there's another aspect to that and I can't help but wonder if part of that is having just that eye wide open wonder wow saying wow. this is amazing. I've I've never seen anything like this before and just taking it all in and and of course you know she's she's not talking yet she is jabbering some but she does know one word and she says it over and over again um uh much to my wife's chagrin uh she says <laughs> da 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 all the time <laughs> and so if Come life on is- now. <laughs> If things are good, she's saying dad, 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 dad. And I said, that's right, baby. That's All right. Things are dad, dad, dad. <laughs> you remember that. <laughs> and so I, and, and I know it gets at my heart and, and I know it's going to even get further in when she fully associates that. Yeah. And she knows that when she says dad, dad, or she says daddy, that she is talking about me. And again, that, that just churns in my heart and my spirit because I wonder if that's just a piece of how God feels when we call mm. out to him and say, daddy. Wow. Daddy, I love you. Wow. God, I love you. Yeah. When we enter into that place of worship, because I feel the pull on my heart, and I have to wonder if maybe that's a taste of what God feels when his people cry out to him. Mm. Because I know I feel like I want to move on your behalf. What do you need, baby? I want to do what I can. And I can't wonder if that's a picture of God's reckless love for us. Wow. So. Man, so, so so beautiful, man. I, uh, my, 
the stage I'm at as as a dad right now, and I know we got off into dad land, help us Jesus, <laughs> but but you know once that gets rolling, uh, <laughs> you know the saps have arrived. <laughs> but uh, all the all the listeners without kids right now are like, are they still talking about their kids? I'm like, yes, we are. What are they doing? It's my <laughs> podcast, and I'm talking about my kids. <laughs> but I'll tell you, you know, I'm at two stages right now because you've got. You've got Ezra, who's learning how to talk, right? He he knows a man, Jesus, hallelujah, mommy, daddy, tacos, Elmo. Okay, so those are the, <laughs> those are the main words that Ezra knows. And then you've got Judah, who is like Mr. Articulate. I mean, he's, he's very brilliant. I know I'm his dad. I'm biased. But, I mean, he's very intellectual and can have very deep conversations with you. And it's like I'm I'm always learning new things every day from him. You know, Ezra's in that stage where he goes, Daddy. Yes, son. Daddy. <laughs> yes, son. <laughs> Daddy. I mean, it's just all that. And, and it's just yeah. he just wants my attention. And I'm like, wow, you know, so much about about what children do, the relationship between uh between a father and son, it's no wonder that Jesus would tell his disciples, um, my father, you know, it's just, it's man, it shows you a lot about the heart of Jesus. Now, um, moving on past dad, you know, sappy land, we'll, we'll move forward. But uh, this, this show's listenership includes a large majority of aspiring ministers, uh, people that feel the call of God on their life. What advice would you give to those which let me interrupt this by saying just the fact that this is to the listeners, just the fact that you're listening right now means you are a learner. The The demographic of podcast listeners are learners. They want to intake knowledge. They want to learn. They want to be better. So this is the perfect uh, platform for you to hear this. But Brother Gove, back to you. What advice would you give to those who are looking to take their first steps into their calling, into their ministry? That's a that's a, a great great question and, and I, I love what you said there that majority of podcasters are um, that demographic it really is it's the demographic of of learning and what they found is that also there's a tie-in between those that listen to podcasts and those that tend to be heavy readers there's wow. there's a correlation there wow um, I've always said that readers are leaders and leaders are readers yeah um, and I think a podcast is another way to take in the same kinds of information and to do it even in a more efficient way because you can do a podcast. You can listen to a podcast while you're driving down the road. Right. You can listen to a podcast while you're working out at the gym. You, know, you can listen to a podcast. You can have it playing while you're you're doing something else and still able to soak in that information. And exactly. I, I love that, that yeah. you said that, that the demographic is that podcasters are, are learners. They are looking for – for information and shifting gears a little bit from that. I know that we are all about information and content and learning the next new big flashy thing. But I also know that when it comes to, to ministry, there really are no secrets in ministry. You know, there are, there are things that you can do and things that people have done to be more efficient in different aspects, but the core successful pieces the core aspects of being successful in ministry are not secrets. 
and they are things that are very easy to overlook. Um, They are very basic. And so I would say anybody that's entering into ministry, if you want to be successful in ministry, it goes without saying that you have to have a relationship with God, not a relationship with your church, Mm. just with your church or just with your pastor or just with your youth group. You've got to have a one-on-one relationship with God. Those are things are important. You need those things, but you've got to have a relationship with God. You've got to have a one-on-one connection with him. You've got to know how to bring down the presence of God in your bedroom when you're praying alone. Yeah. You've got to know how to find that place of worship Jesus. when the music is not playing. Yeah. You've got to foster and build that relationship with God. And and so that, that comes first. That's a given. Um, but then I would also say as far as practicality, as far as tools in your toolbox, um, I would say work hard. And be faithful. Work hard and be faithful. faithful. And again, not earth-shattering ideas, but if you grow where God has planted you, if you support the dreams and the vision of your pastor and your leadership, if you are investing in those things, you know, Joseph didn't, didn't see his dreams come to pass until he began to invest in the dreams of others. Wow. And so we take that into our life to where if I want God to use me, and we don't do it to get to God or get to that purpose, we do it because we are fostering a mentality. We are fostering a heart, um, a heart setting. You know, we are fostering a placement of our heart and our motives to where I am simply supporting, I am simply uh, helping, I am simply doing what I can to push forth the dreams and vision of my pastor and leadership and to grow where God has planted me. And that if I invest in the dreams of others, it's a principle. If we invest in the dreams of others, God opens the doors for our dreams to come to pass. Wow. Man, you know, we don't have so to good. worry about tooting our own horn. Mm-hmm. God will open the doors for us. God will do it. God will open the right doors at the right time. We don't have to self-promote. We simply have to work. And do what we can. It's like he told Moses. I know he was talking about, I'm, I'm using the tools that you have. But he says, what's in your hand? What's in your and hand? that is many times what happens in our lives. Is that God looks at us and says, what is in your hand? What are you doing right now? Where are you? Are you being faithful where you are? Because if you are, I can I use that. Yeah. And I can turn it into something greater. My goodness. Good advice. Good advice, bro. Life-changing advice. And, you know, so much of the the culture says, you know, follow your dreams, push for your dream, push anybody aside that you have to. And everything about the Word of God and everything about Jesus Christ turns that upside down. It says, no, others, invest into others, and and I'll exalt you in due time. Just, just do what I've called you right. to do. So, so good. Now... I've kept you for a while. I'm going to ask you this one last question because we're we're at about an hour here. The problem is I could talk for hours, bro. You'd never come on the show again. You'd like he kept me. <laughs> he kept me for four hours. There's no way I'm doing that show again. So I try to keep it in an hour so that if my guest will come back, we can we can do it again. And you know, in Jesus' yeah, cool. name. But um, camps are on the horizon. So much excitement coming up. And uh, I know you. I know I've been asking you to give a lot of advice, but man, I just I know the demographic of this show. Um, I've looked at it. I've seen it. I know the age group that is listening, and these questions are crafted for that. Uh, camps coming up, and and 
you know, callings are going to be imparted. It's going to be exciting. You know, big push for camps on this episode, I know, but you got you got the secretary and the DOP on the same call. What did you expect, right? And so <laughs> what advice would you give to, to young people uh, to make sure they remain apostolic to the core and get their hearts ready for what God's going to do at hyphen teen and senior camps? What can they be doing in these upcoming weeks to prepare their hearts for what God is going to do this summer. Yes. Um, there's a, a phrase in scripture and we use it a lot in church circles, uh, particularly when it comes to a conference or when it comes to training or it comes to even moving into the deeper things of God. And the phrase is break up the fallow ground. And that is an agricultural term. And and what it means is to work the soil and begin to kind of do the prep work before it's time to plant and get in there and till it and work it and soften it up and prepare it to receive what's coming. And I think when it comes to to camps, particularly because we know we know the dynamic of camp, we we know that. You know, we do everything we can to make it our best. We bring in the best speakers. We bring in, we're bringing in some of the best worship leaders in our movement. We're doing amazing things, and we are, we're putting in a whole lot of effort behind the scenes to create a quality event. But the the key to receiving from the Lord and to having your life changed is to to personally spend some time breaking up the fallow ground. And it's it's like I said earlier that. Spiritual success, the the critical components for spiritual success, they are not complicated. They never change. They are very simple. Right. So simple that they are easy to overlook. As you're you're looking towards camp, student, I want to challenge you. Learn to get lost in prayer and worship. Wow. As you're preparing for camp, go deep into the Word. If you're not if you're not constantly looking to the word of God, start to build that habit because God's word will not return to him void. You know, if you're not if you're sitting on the fringes or you're doing a little here and a little there, but you're still, you know, kind of not quite in all the way or not fully committed to giving your time to uh, to your local church, get involved in your local church. Do everything that you can. It's it's we were we were joking on our our um executive group text a little bit earlier. Um, if you want something done, find something, find someone who's busy. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> well, it works that way in the kingdom of God. You know, we, we invest ourselves heavily into the kingdom and then suddenly God is able to do a whole lot more through us and more opportunities present themselves, but get involved in your local church, spend some time between now and camps fasting. I know, I know your students, I, I know that you're young, but you still have the ability to fast and to seek God and to say, Lord, I want to receive something from you at camp. Don't come in ready for, you know, come in on a cold start to where you have to spend that first service kind of getting into the game. You right. should come in already ready, break yeah. up the fallow ground, come, come in ready to yes. receive from the Lord. And, and I know those things don't sound ex- seem explosive or um, you know, or, or attractive or fancy on their own. They sound overly simple, but they are principles that will change your life. Yeah. Changes everything. 
it changes everything. Mm -hmm. And make up your mind as you go in, not just for camp, but for your life. Make up your mind. Determine in your heart and say, hey, no matter what anyone else does, no matter what my neighbor does, I will serve the Lord. Yes. Yes. Because you are going to, I've seen it. I have friends that I, I had, friends that I grew up with that heard the same messages I did. They went to the same youth camps that I did. They had all the same experiences that I did as far as opportunity to, to learn from the Lord. And I know several that have, have gone by the wayside and they are, they are out, not just out in somewhere else. They're out in the world completely, completely out there. You are going to have friends, and I, I hate to say it, but you're going to have friends as you get older. You're going to have friends that are going to go off the way. You're going to have friends right. that jump the track. You're going to have friends that, that get turned off in this way and that way and whatever else. Right. And so now is the time to make up your mind and say, no matter what anyone else does, if, God forbid, but if Brother Jeremy Gove and Brother Nathan French jump off the tracks and right. they they lose out with God, I will not. Yeah. Yes. I will stand and I will follow the Lord wherever he goes. That's why Paul said, if I or an angel from heaven come preaching any other gospel, let him be accursed. Yes. You know, we've got to make up our mind that we will follow the king of kings no matter what our neighbor does and no matter what those around us will do. And when we make up that determination and we say, I will serve the Lord, something happens Something shifts and something changes. And the key to get there and the key to maintain that is to do these basic spiritual d disciplines, to get lost in prayer and worship, to go deep in the Word, to get involved in our local church, to learn the art of fasting and seeking the face of God. Those are the things. Those are the keys. Those are everything you need right there for right. critical spiritual success. So break up the fallow ground. Prepare your heart. Seek the Lord and say, God, open my heart. Break up this fallow ground in my spirit because, Lord, I want to receive from you this year at camp. I want to walk away from that place changed forever. So good. So good. Man, that's some life-changing advice. And and guys, we have we have Brother Caleb Saucer. We have Brother L.J. Harry. We have Brother Luke Levine. And there's a first night to every event. Every event yep has a first night and it's always the first night that's the hardest it's always the first night that everybody's a little intimidated and, and everybody's a little concerned if I worship is somebody gonna look at me if I dance is somebody gonna judge me if I go to the altar and cry are they gonna think I'm in sin and I want to encourage you guys to follow brother Jeremy's advice come with the ground ready come prayed up come after fasting, and come ready to have revival on that first night. Brother Gove, this has been such an honor. I'd be honored if you would pray over our listeners and, and just close us out with a prayer today. Amen. Yes, sir, I'd be honored. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your goodness and your faithfulness, God, unto us. Lord Jesus, I know that you have a calling and you have a purpose for every person that is under the sound of my voice. Lord God, I know that you have created us with purpose even before we were born. And oh God, I pray that you would release that calling into each and every life that is under the sound of my voice. Help us to walk in everything that you have for us. Help us to be everything you have called and created us to be. 
Lord, we seek to build your kingdom. We want to bring you glory. We want to bring you honor. We want to bring you praise. Lord Jesus, search our hearts and take out anything that isn't of you, even things we may not be aware of, things that haven't even come to the forefront of our mind. Search our hearts. Take out everything that isn't of you and let us be a pure and holy people, pleasing to you in every aspect of our life. God, I pray for every single one of our students, every single person that is planning to attend camps this year. I pray that you would break up the fallow ground. I pray, God, that you would open up our hearts to hear from your word. I pray that you would anoint the ears, God, the minds and the hearts of every single student, every single volunteer, every person that will be present. God, I pray that we would leave that place changed by your word, washed by your word, empowered by your spirit. God, I pray that we would leave whatever camp that we are attending, that we would leave each one changed and ready to work in the kingdom, ready to do whatever we can do to see your purpose fulfilled. And Jesus, we pray it in your name. We give you glory, honor, and praise. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Jeremy, I love you, bro. I want you to know that I have so enjoyed this this time together today. Thank you for taking the time to do this today, bro. Yes, sir. Hey, Brother Nathan, we, we love you as well. Thank you so much for the opportunity. This this has been a blast. I, I've i enjoyed it. Um, I would never want to invite myself, just invite myself back or something of that nature. But man, I, I could talk to you all day long. Bro, I love it. We've got to do it again. This has just been too great. Uh, too great to not do this again and you know when you got a couple nerds like us we could sit here and talk for a while and i mean that in the greatest compliment oh yeah i want to encourage every listener if you have not bought uh brother goes two books he has let's be honest living a life of radical biblical integrity he also has a second book called greater than fear defeating a cultural pandemic i know that could bless some people go to amazon right now and buy your copies of those books you can also follow uh brother gove at on instagram at jgove33 that is his instagram handle you can also see what he's working on if you go follow at the gdym that's the georgia district youth ministries instagram and facebook page Uh, everything you see there comes from brother jeremy gove so thank you for that and uh, i love you friend we look forward to seeing you very soon at camps and i appreciate you yes sir appreciate you as well thank you again for the opportunity Thank you, bro. Have a great day. God bless. You too. Bye-bye.